Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Tuesday, November 30th. I'm G.E. Skeets, and alongside me, as always, it's my family. We got Taz Mellis. What's up, fam? What's up? Got my top shot hot boy, Trey Kirby. Family. Family. <laughs> the international man of mystery taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Family and friends. Family and friends. Mm. And last, <laughs> certainly not least, making the magic happen, super family, J.D. <laughs> Family. There he is. <laughs> Here we are. Shout out to the stream team. Really, today, our family. <laughs> Joining us live on YouTube. Appreciate you guys swinging by here on a Tuesday morning. Subscribe, like, comment, share. Subscribe, like, comment, share. <laughs> we got to get those Vin Diesels doing that. That'd be fun. Uh, okay, lots to get to on today's show. We're going to recap a few of last night's games by playing a little What You Got. We'll discuss the Knicks saying Kemba Walker is out of the rotation huh whoa and lily you got tweet of the night you got a good one for us oh, i've got two good ones for you yeah oh two i don't know if we can do two today we got too much in today's show <laughs> gotta pick one, yeah i couldn't pick one because one gave me the second one so uh one's a throwback oh. one's a current day and one's a throwback so uh something for everyone <laughs> <laughs> all right great uh, cool, but cool. before all of that we have officially reached the end of the first quarter of the 21-22 nba season and seeing as though all but, I believe, two teams, the Spurs and the Mavericks, have played 20 or more games, we figured now was a good time to look around the league and assess the award races, baby, from MVP to ROI to most improved, sixth man and defensive player of the year. Are we doing coach of the year? No, we're not. We decided <laughs> we're not going to do it on today's show. We'll save it for another podcast. A quick note with these. These are not meant to be predictions, right? Like looking forward. And that's a podcast for another day. We are simply rewarding the best players from the season so far. So what I'm going to do, guys, is give you three nominees for each award. You're going to cast your vote, make your case as to why player X is deserving. Maybe there's a debate that kicks off. Maybe there's not. And then I'm sure we'll do a little, hey, what about this guy? Mm. Because that's always fun. So let's see from the stream team, too. Who gets your votes? First one task, you're going to get us started. We'll start with the granddaddy of them all. Coach of the year. Yeah, that's right. Steve Kerr, <laughs> you win. Uh, MVP. I'll give you three guys right now. Usually put them in alphabetical order. We'll go with Giannis, Steph Curry, or Kevin Durant. MVP, a quarter season away through the. What do you got, Tess? It's got to go to Stephen Curry because he's got not only the individual stats, the raw stats are there, Tied for the league lead in scoring, great percentages assists. He's up there in steals, top 10 in steals. But more importantly, what he's got over the other guys 
is the team aspect of it all. Best record in the league, second best offense in the league, best defense in the league, and what would be the best point differential in NBA history. And I bring up the team stats more importantly, not just because that's how everybody votes for these awards, but I think Steph has had the biggest impact on his team all the way down to number 15, the trickle-down effect on the rest of the team. The way he works off the ball for a guy who has won the MVP twice and still comes in day in and day out and doesn't just stand there and ask for the ball, he makes those around him better because he's running off all those splits and those pin downs and those screens. He's still going at it really, really hard. And guys like Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, Kevon Looney, and Jordan Poole, those are his starters beside him. And they're 18-2. and two. It's bloody phenomenal. They're good because of all the attention that he draws because he's always moving and because he's shooting 13 threes a game, uh, which would be an NBA record. None of the other candidates are doing that. So he's creating so much space out there for those guys. And the Warriors' offense is so much better than the Nets or the Bucks because Steph is moving everywhere he he's trump durant and and Giannis with uh his movement and what he's doing out there and uh the defense for him is above average this year you watch him it's not just raw stats that he's got he's top 10 in steals the guy's working his ass off you can't just pick on him and uh, i think if if the voters go to the ballot box uh they he also has a nice narrative because he's bringing the warriors back uh, in, into first place in the standings with essentially the similar roster as last year. Uh, you can also vote for him because this is the second incarnation of the Warriors team years later after they won the championships. You can also vote for him because, you know, he didn't get enough credit when Kevin Durant was there. And now he's doing it without Kevin Durant and they're 18 and freaking two through 20 games. So this isn't a prediction award, uh, but uh, I'm kind of predicting it at this point. I, I don't see the Warriors <laughs> falling off that much, even though their schedule is going to get harder and we're going to see them play the Suns tonight, which is exciting. Uh, this is Steph's to lose at this point because of how good he's made everybody around him. It feels like sort of the 2015 finals when he didn't win uh, MVP uh, because Mr. Andre Iguodala won it. Well, Steph essentially won it for Iguodala. Steph is essentially making Jordan Poole uh, an MIP candidate, Andrew Wiggins an all-star candidate, Draymond Green an offensive player. The guy is doing it all. I think, I think he's got the most effect, uh, you know, the, the most valuable player. If you want to look at it that way, value to a team. Got to go Steph. Trey, can you make a case for anyone else, or is Curry your vote right now? Curry's my vote as well for all the reasons Tass said. I mean, it basically breaks down to he's leading the league in scoring on the best team, and he's the most fun player to watch in the league once again. The crazy part, I feel like Steph Curry can still even get better. He's shooting a weak 42% from three. That's below his career averages. It's like, you know, first game of the year, he came out, had a triple-double, said, I played like trash. That's the Steph Curry mindset, and that's why he's able to put together this kind of season at age 33 after it seemed like maybe the Warriors were going to be a dark horse title contender rather than a legitimate title contender. But they're a legit title contender right now, and it all starts with Steph Curry. He is the Tim Duncan of the NBA right now. He just makes everybody better with his presence. His presence is a present, if you will. <laughs> Lee, Steph Curry for you or anyone else? Yeah, Steph's running away with it right now. I think Giannis is probably second. Running, running away with it? I think yeah. so. Yeah, really? I, he is. I, I don't think – I think Giannis is closest to him, but I think there's daylight between these two. Kevin Durant, obviously we know how good he's been, but it doesn't feel like he's in that sort of uh, conversation today. He's at the table, sure, but uh, Steph's got the uh, menu. Steph's the Matty O. He's ordered the uh, – he's got the uh, – picked the restaurant out. He's the only one with the menu. We all just have to wait and see what he orders for us. It'll be great, but that's just the way it is with Steph right now. But best player on the best rec uh, on the best team, 
everything there that you, the other guys have said has just is is where the award is going to go. And uh, unless honestly an injury happens, uh, I can't. You know, if Steph continues to play at this rate and the Warriors continue to win, they're not going to they're not going to beat the seventy three and nine uh, record. Of course, they are going to slow down at some point, but. He is in the box seat right now. Giannis has got incredible numbers, as we know. He just gets those because he's so dominant at both ends of the floor. He's got the rebounds. He's getting the steals and the blocks and the field goal percentages starting to tick up and the Bucks are winning. But uh, I just don't think that... Uh, well, he could track Steph down, sure, if they go on a crazy 20-game winning streak. But right now, where we, with uh, what we've seen so far in this season, it's Steph's award. Okay, if, if Matty O is curry at the restaurant, like he's picked the restaurant, he's definitely ordering the wine and all the meals we're sharing... Who does that make you, then, mm. Lee? Well, whew. I'm probably uh, I'm probably Luka Doncic, I guess. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I came, in, you know, I came in so, with a bit of hype, but uh, I'm, I'm, more than, I'm more than happy to defer. You know, I really, actually, JD is probably my uh, Giannis in that sense because uh, I'm always happy to just split a bottle of wine there with JD. I'll let him right. do the ordering there. I'll just be the best. <laughs> there we go. See, see. Oh, yeah. maybe you and JD are like some sort of like Booker Chris Paul, right? In, yeah. In the conversation. That's it. Yeah. Hard to split us apart. Yeah. We both yeah. Uh, both about the same. But that that's uh, you know that's the thing with Matteo. He loves that position as being the restaurant dictator. Let him be that role because yeah. he never he's never let us down with a bad order of bad food. He loves to flirt with the waitresses as well. He loves all that. So he puts on quite a show. And yeah. uh, you know. You don't need to get in his path. Let him just let him go. Let him be him. <laughs> let Matt cook. Let Matt be it. Matteo is kind of like Steph. Like, like when when he he puts his shot up, he puts the order in, gives it gives yep. it to the server, and before it arrives, well, as it, yeah. as it arrives to the table, like as Kurt, as the ball shoot going through the hoop, he's looking away. He already yeah. knows it's going in. He already knows it's a it's a back bucket. That's true. It's already a delicious meal. It's already yeah. been had. Uh, okay, so everybody's saying curry. There's a lot of people in the stream team, of course, saying curry. Basketball references MVP tracker. They do have curry right now at like a basically a sixty percent probability of winning it. Jokic is second, and I didn't even have him on the list here. Uh, Tass. You know, I had Giannis and, and KD, and then then it goes Chris Paul and Jimmy and Rudy and James Harden and Draymond Green and Devin Booker. But is there like a? This is more of a looking ahead. But is there like a dark horse MVP pick that you could like convince yourself? You know, things break the right way. They could win this thing, and it's not one of those three guys that I had on the uh, short nominees list. Yeah, I would go with Joker. Yeah, uh, he, he was my pick at the beginning of the season because Jamal Murray was out, and if he was able to buoy this team to a top four performance in the Western Conference, then it could happen. And now it's yeah. a, it's an even darker dark horse pick because Michael Porter Jr. is out, which we'll get to with the back injury. So he could lift this team. He, I think, would be uh, uh, talked about at this table if he wasn't gone for several games there. Now he came back last night, so he could uh, jump back into it. But uh, yep. yeah, that, that that's a huge reach. And his numbers are better than last year, better than his MVP season, which is ridiculous. Yeah, for sure. You agree with that, Lee? Like, he's got to be sort of included here. He's missed, yeah, maybe four well, or five yeah. games more than some of these other guys, but that's not that big a deal, really. Well, you saw last night just the impact he had. They were desperate for a win, 
and yeah. he was the best player on the court there last night. I know there was a few players missing for the Heat, but it was one of those uh, situations where Michael Malone was just, you know, so happy to have him back out there, and he orchestrated the game. Didn't have the massive, you know, statistical line as we've seen before him, but just his impact and just his his ability to get his teammates involved again. That's what I think uh, an MVP does. Is like it's not just he has to go out there and score all the points, but other guys just know, all right, we've got our flow again uh, in the offensive end. So yeah, I think he's uh, considering he won it last season. And they are severely shorthanded, Denver. His, his numbers and his season could really stand out if he's able to stay on the floor. And Trey, one thing we talked about on the uh, Top Shot uh, stream that we did yesterday with the pack dropping was the Suns. Like, is there any play where if Phoenix has the number one record in the West, which is definitely feasible, um, you know, who knows what happens tonight? Maybe they send a message to the league and, and beat the Warriors handily. Maybe they beat them again later in the week. Who knows? But if they have the number one seed overall in the league could there be a case for for Devin Booker or maybe even Chris Paul or is do they cannibalize that's the problem there Skeets it's the old JD and Lee splitting a (laughs) bottle of wine you can't separate them you know you're not gonna pour a red wine into your white wine bottle or (laughs) literally what am I saying (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean you're not gonna do it tell me you don't drink without telling me you don't drink (laughs) but I know it's true I know I gotta rinse out uh, the glass when we're switching things up around here but um The only way that I think one of the Suns makes a run at MVP would be this week. The Suns have to beat the Warriors twice, and either Chris Paul or Devin Booker has to be the star in both of those games. You can't have a 30-point Chris Paul game followed by a 30-point Devin Booker game. Then we're Splitsville again, so... Uh, I think it's unlikely, but that's the case right there. Beating up on the Warriors, being the number one seed, and having one dominant guy. Yeah. All right, let's keep it going here. Sixth man of the year. The three noms. Carmelo Anthony, Montrez Harrell, and Tyler Hero. Lee, get us started. Who would get your vote right now a quarter of the way through the season? Pretty good race here. I'm going with Tyler Hero, though. I think he has been the best overall player off the bench uh, because it's not just the shooting and the scoring. He's averaging 21 points a game off the bench, which is leading the league in six-man scoring, but he's doing it pretty efficiently too. 46% from the field, 43% from downtown, and then he's giving you five and a half rebounds and three and a half assists a game. So I think think it's Tyler Hero's award right now. He's missed the last couple of games with general body soreness, which is unusual for a 21-year-old, but uh, maybe he's dealing with something the heat of being a little bit sneaky there and I think after that it's probably Montrez Harrell regular season Montrez Harrell off the bench is a really good player he's high energy he goes out there runs both ends of the floor 16 points and oh look the shooting 66% not a surprise most of his baskets come in the paint there but he also gives you eight rebounds a game so Montrez has won this before this is a perfect mm-hmm. role for a guy like him uh, he doesn't you know he doesn't really shoot the three hit one the other day but uh, Montrez just loves this where he can go out there and kind to feast on those second uh, unit teams, you know, where there's where, where the other team's second units out there. He's all energy, he's all hustle, gets a lot of dunks, high percentage plays, but uh, that's kind of what he did, and that's what he did to win the award a couple of years ago. But uh, I think right now it's Tyler Heroes. He came into the starting lineup when there was some injuries there, but I think he's probably going to return to the bench when they're at full strength because I think he's just really good in that role. So Tyler Hero for me is uh, is the sixth man so far this season. Tass, what about you? Yeah, me too. He's got the biggest role of all these guys because uh, the Heat and the way they play, they're a really top-heavy team. Uh, they've got their stars, but they need somebody else to create. Tyler Hero's come in and 
uh, been a guy who kind of run the show. And uh, I think he'd also get some uh, some votes for this award because uh, people would look at him as potentially the most improved player. Uh, but that would probably go to somebody else. Uh, so I'll you know, give him this award because uh, he's been uh, his best season this year, year number three. He was a 15-point-per-game guy last year. This year he's up to 22, all off the bench, and uh, a good percentage is coming back a little bit uh, to earth a little bit with a 40% three-point mark. But um, yeah, I think he's got the storyline because we've always known that the Heat need somebody else besides Jimmy Butler to create, and Kyle Lowry's obviously helping. But Tyler Hero's like their their initiator. He's playing 33 minutes a game. He is, he's such a big part of that team, and I think that kind of trumps the other dudes uh, because he's just... He's, he's a key cog on this team. Well, you know, you can kind of make excuses for why the other guys aren't. Hero's been uh, really, really good. And he also had the narrative coming in. He wanted to get better after last year's bad playoff run, and he did. Yeah, this usually goes to a guard, right, Trey? I think Montrez Harrell is one of the uh, rare big guys to actually win a six-man of the year over the last, let's say, you know, 15 to 20 years or so. Could he do it again? Would Hero have your vote? Um, or is there even somebody else? Throw in a, hey, what about this guy? <laughs> I wanted to make a case for Montrez Harrell. He's at 16 points per game. That's still fourth amongst players who are coming off the bench. The guy was getting MVP chance at the free throw line, but 20 points <laughs> per game off the bench. That basically guarantees you winning sixth man yeah. of the year. Lou Williams did it. Ricky Pierce did it. Kevin McHale did it. There's a big guy for you. Yep. 5,000 years ago, but if you're potting 20 off the bench, you're a go-to guy on your team. It just happens to be that you're the sixth one that's playing. So yeah, I think Hero is the guy right now. If you're going to, what about this guy? Ricky Rubio has a little bit of a case here. Might not get that all-star nod. Could get some sixth man of the year love if he um, keeps coming off the bench. Jordan Clarkson will make a run at some point when he heats up. And Patty Mills, uh, if the Nets continue to have one of the better records in the Eastern Conference and he gets hot, I think he could have a little bit of a uh, make some buzz in the six man voting as well. Yeah, I guess you could make a case for like a Dennis Schroeder too, if he has enough games off the bench. I know he started uh, more than 50% right now, but that was with the Celtics missing some guys and he's played really well uh, for Boston. So he would be another one. Tass, anybody else that you'd want to? Show some love to whoever we touched on them all. I mean, I threw in, I, I included Carmelo as a nominee, but mm. that sort of hot start has sort of come back to earth here too. I don't think at the end of the year he'll have a legitimate case, but anyone else, Tass? Well, the stream team is yelling Caruso, and it's hard not to mm. jump on that one as well. The stats aren't going to be there, uh, but if you want to go with a different kind of guy, a guy who makes an impact on the other end, I mean, he's going to win MVP. He can't win sixth man too. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, that that's that's going to be difficult for a guy that averages, what, under nine points per game, at least under 10 points per game to win this thing. But he has an impact when he plays. He's just going to get, like, an all-defensive nod, right, Lili? Right. Like, he'll be, he'll be first or second team for sure at this point. Yeah, I, I guess so, yeah. Uh, he, he is one of those guys who he does feel every time he's out on the court, he does something, makes some sort of play, whether it's hitting a big shot defensively, getting a steal or a deflection or something like that. So he definitely stands out. He's got that, uh, you know, he's a fan favorite. He's, a, he's an NBA favorite. I think I think because he's not on the Lakers anymore as well, he's now embraced by more of the league rather than just uh, the Lakers fan base. So, and Lakers fans wish they still had oh, him. So that God, helps his case they, too. Yeah. Oh, my God, would they love to have him back. <laughs> All right, let's keep it going then. Next one. <laughs> Rookie of the year. Your three nominees right now. Scotty Barnes, Cade Cunningham, or Evan Mobley. Trey, who gets your vote? 
I think this is still Evan Mobley's award to lose at the quarter mark of the season. He's second in scoring amongst rookies, 14 points per game. Second in rebounding at eight rebounds per game, shooting 49 from the field, 31 from three, 75 from the line. Those are good percentages for a rookie. But to me, the real case for Evan Mobley is that he has been the most instrumental to a successful team amongst the rookies. His versatility next to Jarrett Allen is something that I wasn't suspecting. It's part of the reason they're able to play together, and it's part of the reason the Cavs are a top-five defense right now, and they're winning because they're able to throw a top-five defense out there with a whole bunch of big guys. I thought that Mobley might lose his lead on this award when he missed some time here. He was out for 12 days, missed four games, but in that time, nobody really sees the lead. I thought that Cade Cunningham would kind of step into that void, but... Thus far, he's played 15 games, and only five of those games has he shot better than 40%. So I think Evan Mobley is kind of clearly in the lead here. I thought those two weeks were going to make a difference, but they did not. Tass, your team Mobley, I assume? Yeah, I think he's the guy. The fact that he came back in 12 days, as Trey said, uh, really helps him. It was supposed to be two to four weeks. The guy is uh, comes back, and they blew out the Mavericks yesterday on the road, mm-hmm. in part because him and Jared Allen – are able to cover so much ground, as Trey said. They're playing such a unique style with essentially three seven-footers on the floor, and they're still winning games. They've had so many injuries, and and, and I, th- I think that will factor in if, if they can keep up this above 500 record. The fact that they're 11-10 and 10 with Mobley going down and everybody else, uh, it's phenomenal. And uh, he is, yeah, he's the, he's the guy that, yeah, the GM's picked as the best rookie in five years and it's already happening in the first couple months of the season you would expect him to drop off uh, after an injury but he just comes back and he's he's too freaking good it's it's weird watching him out there and, and then uh, watching scotty barnes uh you know wearing number four out there with the raptors and, and thinking those two dudes look like both look like chris bosh kind of scotty barnes in the post looking like chris bosh and and mobley kind of looking like chris bosh uh but i think i think the guy who's uh, got um just more touch and more talent out there right now uh, on both ends. It's Evan Mobley. I mean, he's just, I don't think he's going to slow down. I don't know if this wall is coming. If he can come back from an injury like that and play, play so well, uh, I don't know. I think he's got it. That is a great point that Tass brings up lately. I mean, we are talking about just through 20 games, who gets your vote and we're not trying to like look to the future, but who does hit the wall that always comes into play? Uh, can can any of these rookies sort of like power through it, climb over it, and sort of sustain this ability, uh, level that they're playing at? Or will they like crash back to earth, which happens a lot of times, mm. especially when you get to around 20 or 30, around uh, the, the college season type of uh, schedule there. Um, but what do you think? You got Mobley, Barnes, or, or Kate, or somebody else? No, I think it's down to Mobley and Scotty Barnes. I think Scotty Barnes has been fantastic. And if Mobley was to miss significant more time, then, then Scotty Barnes could take it because their numbers are very, very similar there. Uh, but I just think Evan Mobley has been a better player for his team than Scotty Barnes has to this point. Scotty, Scotty's been good, but Evan got off to a great start the Cavs started winning and then they felt his absence when he was out there and uh you know I think that that plays a role in it when when you have to sort of split hairs when the numbers are tight like this I think it just comes down to the impact and I think Mobley's had a greater impact on his team than Scotty Barnes has so far for the Raptors yeah I think it's really really close actually this one um for sure if the Cavs and Raptors records were swapped I think there might be more buzz for Scotty at this point maybe being uh, the leader of the rookie of the year race but Maybe that's what it will come down to when we get to, to games, you know, 75 and 80 and stuff like that. It's like, are the Raptors 
still floundering? Have they blown up their team at the trade deadline? Have they gone all in on the development? Uh, and have the Cavs maintained like sort of 500 ball or they've fallen off? It, it could come down to that. We kept saying Cade could get back into this, you know, not, not efficient right now as a rook. And there's some other guys too that have played really well. We've talked about this class a lot, so we don't need to go over it all again, but feels like it's going to be Barnes or Mobley as long as they stay healthy at the end. One weird, of those guys. St- weird stat. Scotty Barnes already played 75 more minutes than he played last season. He's played 670 minutes yeah, there this you go. year. He played only 595 last year. Wild, man. That's crazy. He's playing a lot of minutes for the Raptors. He's mm-hmm. playing like nearly 35 minutes per game. I mean, Mobley plays a lot, too. It makes sense because he's great defensively. It's wild that the Cavs were like one of the worst defensive teams last year, and then but they're like top five. No one would have expected that, and he's a, he is a huge part like Tess keeps talking about. All right, our next one here. Most improved Sort of tough to pick just three names for this. I went with Miles Bridges, John Morant, because there is that buzz right before the injury of like this guy that was like really good, if not great, going to another level. And then Jordan Poole, who's going to eventually win a finals MVP later this season. So uh, MIP Tass, right now, who gets your vote? Lots of surprises. Like Miles Bridges didn't expect to be this good, but this is an opportunity for a vote for a guy that has gone from great to even greater, as you said about John Morant. You know, there's a lot of guys go from good to great, and Miles Bridges sort of in that category, but this is a special year for John Morant, even though he's injured right now from 19 to 24 points per game. He's gotten a better three point shot, staying steady, and better finisher at the rim. He's become a, like a different player. He sort of changes makeup as a player, uh, and uh, that's just a, a special thing to do when you're already that freaking good uh, to go to a, a next level. So Ja would have my vote because he's sort of in a different stratosphere. I, I guess uh, it's a little like J.D. and Lee sitting at the same table with Miles Bridges and Jordan Poole, like guys who have improved. I guess I don't know why I'm comparing them to JD and Lee, but I mean just like guys who are in the same category have gone from good to even better. Well, John Moran is in a different stratosphere. I guess he's in the Matteo, he's in the kitchen, uh, instructing people how to cook. Like it's just a different type of uh, most improved. So I, w- I would probably give it to John Moran because I didn't see it coming. Trey, what about you? Yeah, I'm actually with Tass and Skeets. You kind of convinced me on this one yesterday talking Top Shot because I would have fought Miles Bridges because I'm always kind of drawn to the decent player becomes good slash building block kind of player. And that's definitely what Miles Bridges has become, improving his three-point shot, getting to the line a bunch, just attacking all the time and looking like a perfect fit next to LaMelo. But basically, since Giannis won most improved player, it's been the player who is good, who becomes an all-star level player. And that's exactly what's happened with John Morant. He's a takeover, go-to superstar kind of player at this point. He's going to make an all-star team as long as he has enough games played by February or whatever. So I think that the voting for most improved player has changed a little bit in the past five seasons. Now it is good to great. And that's definitely Jaw this year. Lee, you agree? I do, yes, uh, because it depends on really how you value this award. If you sort of look at it like, well, we sort of know Jar is going to be a superstar, so it's almost like he's sort of disqualified from winning this because that's his natural trajectory. But if then you look at a guy like Jordan Poole or Miles Bridges, they just have improved as players this season. But then I'm also going to dock Jordan Poole a few points because he's playing with Steph Curry. I will say Jordan Poole has actually improved within the season. He started off a little bit uh, spotty, but he's improved his consistency there. And I just think Miles Bridges has sort of con- uh, been consistent himself in being the uh, the second best player there, I think, for the Hornets. So 
they all have a different case, but I think Jar will win this award where he is right now because it would be, I mean, he won Rookie of the Year, but then it would be another award for him. But I think there's so many more that he's going to win down the road that it almost feels like he's too good for this award, if that's such a thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, that that's just the way I feel about it. I think you can make a case to include, at least on the nominees list, I see some people bringing up his name in the stream team, DeJounte Murray for the San Antonio Spurs. It's an interesting one because, like, the raw stats have definitely ticked up, and he's becoming a bit of a triple-double machine. I believe he has three already on the season. He had four total last year. 19, eight-and-a-half rebounds, eight assists. I mean, that is really, really impressive. The efficiency is not as great as it was last year. No, he was never really a great three-point shooter, and that's still around 30%. You'd like to see that go a little bit higher. Overall, 45% from the floor, okay. You know, asked to do a lot there as the point guard on the Spurs. But yeah, he's in the running here, and I think it would be tough for him to get the buzz playing on a sort of a bad San Antonio team. But I guess you keep putting up triple-doubles. That gets people's attention, Lee. I mean... Mm -hmm. Whether, you, you know, I know your opinion on, like, we know your opinion on the, the Westbrook triple-doubles and all that, <laughs> um, but it does get headlines, and it does draw eyeballs to a guy like him, and he's improved, for yeah. sure, too. Yeah, the Spurs were really bad, though. They've, they've uh, won a couple here, but uh, they were bad at the start. The, the other guy who I think has really drawn a lot of eyeballs and attention is Anthony Edwards in, uh, in Minnesota, because mm-hmm. it's the highlight real plays, but also he's up to 22 points a game, 43% from the field, 35% from three, but... You know, he's doing everything, I think, there for Minnesota. Uh, so I think he's another guy. And he won Rookie of the Year last year. He's a second-year player. I know that doesn't – you don't really like that, Skeetsy. But when you look at a guy who isn't just been a minutes bump, he's actually like, hey, I was good last season – and now I'm even better this season. I think that's certainly helping his case, especially if the uh, Timberwolves can just string together a few. They're, they've actually been playing better lately, and I think he's a huge reason because of that. All right. Our next award, as we keep going here – Defensive Player of the Year, Rudy Gobert, Draymond Green, or Miles Turner? And I'll get us started with my first vote, because I think most of you are going to agree that it's Draymond Green right now, after 20 games. Uh, The Warriors have the best statistical defense the league has seen since the 2016 Spurs. Uh, They're at or near the top in net rating, opponent's field goal percentage, defensive rebound percentage, shots contested, deflections, and on and on and on. And Draymond is a huge reason why he's like the defensive engine and real attitude for that Warriors squad. Uh, To quote Draymond, I saw from an Anthony Slater athletic article, I fuck up opposing offenses. (laughs) I was like, whoa. And I mean, he really does. Be it in ISO, he's going to take care of his guy. He's going to break up two-on-ones. He's smarter than everybody out there defensively. Like, he knows what you're running. He knows where you want to go. He wants to, like, blow it up and get you going somewhere else. He's been pretty special. You said Curry's gotten better tasks. There's no doubt this is, like, a a great Kerr defensive system. Really, a Mike Brown defensive system there as an assistant uh, coach for the Warriors. But is there any way this isn't Draymond's? And I think you can even almost, like, lock this one in that he's going to win his second DPOY. Do you agree with that, Tess? Yeah, especially because this team has won... You know, 73 games and 67 games the year after that back to back in the era when the Spurs had that incredible defense so I don't think they fall off I think they know how to go for 82 games essentially so uh, yeah I, I don't see Draymond falling off especially because yeah his rep has taken a, a hit the last couple of years people were wondering as he's getting older is he uh, not going to be able to do what he did uh, in those years so I think he's He's on a mission. He's on a mission to uh, 
to be the best Draymond he can be. He's got his own TV show. Uh, he's uh, saying, I fuck up defenses. You know, he's he's full-on Draymond right offenses. now. Offenses. Well, he Offen- sometimes offense. fucks up. <laughs> yeah. He can do that defenses, too, I guess. Uh, yeah. You're right. Um, but um, He sounds no. a little bit like Santa Claus. He sees you when you're cutting. He knows when you're running pick and roll. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know the rest of it right now, but he definitely seems like that. If you want to know why Draymond Green is Defensive Player of the Year, watch the second half of Warriors versus Nets. Kevin Durant had 16 in the first half, over 8 in the second half, and it was basically Draymond saying, I'm guarding this guy and not switching. Yeah. Took him completely out of the game. And this is Kevin Durant we're talking about. And it always, it always helps, Lee, if you want to win this award... Talk about winning this award. Mm. And Draymond Green never stops talking about winning this award and how he should have like 10 of these already and stuff like that. And uh, it sounds silly, but it, it it can work when you have an elite all-time looking defense right now. We'll see if the Warriors can sustain it. Yeah, I think that's also a very strong case that he makes. Is like the Warriors do have the best defense. We know that that's where he makes his money on the defensive end. Yep. He loves to make those highlight real plays, even though he says not enough people know what they're even looking at when you see a highlight defensive play. So, yeah, he's definitely uh, in the good in a good spot right now. The other thing is, I think Rudy Gobert is a three time winner. Almost a bit of fatigue is setting in, and yep. the Jazz haven't been that good so far as we know them to be defensively. So, I think that's going against him. And Miles Turner, you know, good shot blocker. I just don't think he gets the recognition uh people sort of just don't you know see him as an a, a great defender i don't think he's a great pick and roll defender i think he's a great help defender great shot blocker but uh he just doesn't seem to have that buzz so draymond and the warriors playing well again when you're playing well and you got the best team in the league you just tend to be in the running for a lot of awards and uh that is one that draymond is probably in the box seat for right now I remember last year at the end of the season, Doc Rivers was saying Ben Simmons is the defensive player of the year over and over and over again. That didn't work out. Uh, so um, maybe the Warriors should stop saying. Should- <laughs> no, 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 no. It wasn't Ben Simmons saying he's defensive player of the year over and over again. Dr- Draymond mm. is saying, I'm the defensive player of the year. It doesn't matter who else is coming from. It doesn't matter if it's coming from us or the coaches. Yeah, it's got to come from yourself. And Draymond will let us know. Uh, just a quick trivia question. Last year's NBA all-defensive squads Gobert there and Draymond Green there on the first team. Can you name the other three? Other three. You're, give me a Drew Holiday. That's right. Yeah. Thought that would be the tough one. Oh. Uh, you already said the one name. Tasha's brought him up. Ben Simmons. Well, yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Giannis yeah. and then Ben Simmons. Okay, well, okay. You guys are smart at this. Let's see if you can name the second team. <laughs> oh, defense. <laughs> for the true sickos. Did, did DeJounte Murray make one? Yeah. Did he make it? Uh, he did not make it last year. He has made one before. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I'll go in for a Bam out of bio. That's correct. Why don't you stick with the Miami? Yeah, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy. Jimmy. Uh, Think about a giant big guy who was out, unfortunately, for a while. But he's back. He put up like a 42 the other night. Joel Embiid. Classic. Think about a teammate of his, Lee, that you were very high on coming into this season. Oh, Matisse. Yeah. Matisse Thibel made it despite playing like, I don't know, under 20 20 minutes minutes, per game. Something like that. And then one more. Uh, He's not playing this season, so that's the tough part. He's uh, out of sight, out of mind. Kawhi Leonard. There you go. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty good defensive Still player. Still good. <laughs> when he plays. All right, so we're not doing Coach of the Year just to piss off all you coach fans out there, which is weird timing. I coached my uh, first practice for six-year-olds last night. Maybe I'm in the running. Tell him, man. Tell him. <laughs> it's, tell, it's, uh, tell everybody you're Coach of the Year. You'll win it. Oh, it's uh, pure pandemonium trying to coach uh, a bunch of uh, <laughs> six- and seven-year-olds. Woo! There's a lot going on out there, but it was a lot of fun. 
Yeah. Yeah, Lee, you've, you've uh, experienced this? Uh, yeah, like not in an official capacity, just when you get a few of the kids together and you're like, all right, let's play a game. And they all just, there's traveling, there's double dribble. No one calls fouls, to be honest. They just want to get a shot oh. up and they, they just keep running. Of, there's too much contact, though, with our uh, team. Yeah. We got a bunch of football players, I think. Like, <laughs> Our defense, I mean, we're going to, every guy's going to foul out in like the first three minutes. The defense is just like hammering the other guy. We're like, you can't do that, guys. But the team spirit's there. The tenacity is there. We just got to, we got to mold them. Uh, I don't know, Skeets. If you're a coach of the year candidate, it sounds like Grish is on the hot seat. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Well, if we can't teach these guys, you got to dribble and uh, you got to move your feet on defense. He might be out of there. I mean, it's only one practice in. I wonder if they're going to call a players only meeting. Uh, <laughs> Over, over juice boxes and pizza. Yeah, <laughs> tough to have a players-only meeting when you can't drive anywhere on your own. <laughs> no, nah, these are kids growing up uh, in 2021 here. I mean, they jump on a on a on a Zoom meeting for nah, sure. They'll put it on TikTok. Yeah, they'll yeah, just TikTok. They'll, they'll, they'll just trash TikTok. you on TikTok. Yeah, that's like, yeah. Oh, this guy's junk. Anyway, uh, a fun first practice. Uh, it was a blast. Okay, we're gonna take our first break. When we come back, we'll get into a little what you got. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. What's weird is you say you leave your phone at home, but then who takes those photos of you always standing outside of an establishment with your arms down? Uh, yeah. I guess well, your brother does. Yeah, he does. Or just, uh, you know, someone else walking by. Just, well, yeah, I mean, it's their phone, what do you mean? Yeah, no. Uh, hey, can, yeah. Uh, can you take a photo of me standing outside this pub? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no problem. Where's your phone? I don't care. I don't have it. So can you yeah, text it to me? Uh, yeah, could you just use your phone and just send what, it to what me? What model have you got there? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, actually, jog on, fella. I'll get someone else to do it. <laughs> jog on, fella. <laughs> All right, let's get into a little what you got. What you got? What you got? Yeah, a little what you got to help us recap some of the games last night. Start with this first one. Jonas Valanciunas scored 29 of his career-high 39 points in a spectacular first half as the Pelicans beat the Clippers 123 to 104. Uh, Valanciunas hit seven sloppy stake three-pointers in the first half. <laughs> To the increasing delight of his teammates. So that was wild. Then, in Minnesota, Carl Anthony Towns scored 16 of his 32 points in the third quarter. And Anthony Edwards added 21 as the Wolves rallied for the 100-98 win against the Pacers. These are two good wins. So, Tass, the what you got. More impressive win from last night. The Pelicans, led by JV there. Or the Wolves, led by Cat and Ant. What you got? I'm going to go with the Wolves because this is... Uh... A bit of a trend right now. They lost six games in a row earlier in the season, but now they've won seven of eight. And 
That's unwolves like. They're in the playoffs right now. If the playoffs ended today, they'd be in the playoffs. Not in a play-in tournament. In the playoffs, they're sitting in sixth. They're actually tied for fifth. So the wolves are not looking like those old Timberwolves. This is a game that they would usually lose. They're down to the Pacers by nine at half, uh, and they're missing a lot of their energy guys. Two of their starters, Jared Vanderbilt, Patrick Beverly, and then a third rotation player. They started Josh Okoji. They're playing guys named Jalen Noel and Leandro Balmoro. Uh, who uh, guys that are subbing in and, and getting the energy going, but it, the energy is from Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. That's what happened in the third quarter there. Their defense got them going. Their eighth-ranked defense, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Are they combining a little bit more effort along with that talent? They have been uh, in this seven of eight-game streak that they got going on. It was the Pacers that crumbled in the second half to the Wolves' defense, and the Wolves turned it on. And yeah, so. Towns 32, <clears throat> many, many turnovers in that game, but it was an ugly, ugly game that usually they would lose. So uh, for, for this time of year, quarterway through the season, you wouldn't expect the Timberwolves to be up there in the, above 500. Uh, so I, I, I want to give JV some love and talk about those sloppy threes because I don't know what the heck is going on with that dude. But as far as the team performance... Yeah, the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, shocking right now. Shocking the world, sitting in sixth. Yeah, what a huge block from uh, Josh Okoji there to, to save the game, really. Like that little uh, sort of sort of come from behind. I guess Holiday thought he was clear and uh, made the huge play totally clean, too. All right, Lee, same question. Are you going Pelicans or Wolves from last night? More impressive. Well, anytime you have a player being called Dirk Valanciunas by his teammates, uh, I think you have to just go with that, really. Because Valanciunas, yeah, he hit, hit seven for seven at one point in that first yep. half. Only finished with seven, though. So disappointed he didn't try to uh, just go and try to hit double digits with the threes. But, uh... <laughs> Can you imagine Valanciunas had the all-time record for the three-pointers made in the game? <laughs> Curry and ah, still yeah. playing. And you could just tell he knew he was hot. He was just flinging away there at the end of they were going in. But this was an incredibly dominant performance from the Pelicans who have started to at least show some competitiveness recently. They had a big win in Utah, of course, over the weekend. We talked about that yesterday because early in the season, the Pelicans just weren't competitive and now they're at least uh, going out there and battling. Now, I wonder if teams are sort of saying, man, this is the Pelicans on the roster or the schedule tonight. You know, this is probably a win for us. Uh, and maybe that's what the Clippers did last night. They just thought they were going to get back into this. But this was over early on. Or the, the Pelicans had a big lead early on and just didn't give it back. Um, so I'm going with them. The Clippers have been a little bit up and down recently. But uh, for, for New Orleans to get 39 out of uh, Valentinus last night, it was a fun watch. So give me the Pels. Why not? All right. Trey, you're the deciding factor here. Where are you going? Well, I ultimately think that the Timberwolves win was a better win because, like Tass is saying, very unwolvesian to win back-to-back games that were one-possession games. Most of their wins this season have been blowouts, so to see them win a sloppy stakes kind of game was really impressive. Got a big three from Malik Beasley in the last minute. You mentioned the Josh Okoji block, 11 assists for D'Angelo Russell. This was a complete team win, uh, but... If I am the Clippers, I'm a little bit nervous about what happened uh, with the Pelicans last night. The rebounding advantage for New Orleans was 47 uh, to 35. Post-game, Paul George said that rebounding is the Clippers' kryptonite. You could even say they're kryptonite if you're a straight-up herb. Um, But... (laughs) That's a problem. They play small, and they're going to be able to be taken advantage of uh, inside and on the glass. 14 offensive rebounds um, 
for the Pelicans last night, which is why you get a whole bunch more shots, which is why you're comfortable with Jonas Valanciunas looking like Dirk out there, knocking down seven threes in the first half. So that's something the Clippers are going to have to figure out. They just don't have a lot of rebounders on their team. And if you're a small ball kind of team, there are going to be games where you get smashed on the glass. But great stuff from the Pels. I think Valanciunas has a quicker release now. Like it used to take him two seconds to get the ball from his waist to the top of his head. These ones look like lightning fast, quick trigger threes for Valanchunas. Um, So I guess the pump fake's going to keep working. You know, like people be like, hey, he hit seven threes in the first half. Do not give him a wide open one. Great game from JV. All right, next one here. Had to get a little creative with this one. It's a bit of a stretch, I'll be honest. Uh, Jokic. With his two brothers behind the bench, uh, he returned to action last night, scored 24 points as the Nuggets snapped their longest losing streak in nearly six years by beating the shorthanded Heat 120-111. to 111. Meanwhile, the Bulls took the latest battle of the Ball brothers, riding an unbelievable performance from Vucevic to a 133-119 victory over the Hornets. So, the better... Mm-hmm. Nikola, <laughs> they they sort of they do pronounce it a little bit differently, both of them. But you get the joke here. The better Nikola from last night is it Jokic the Joker or Vooch? Uh, Lee, get us started. What you got? Vucci with those six for six threes uh, really clouds this answer. But I'm going with Jokic because the Nuggets just desperately needed him back, and they desperately needed to win. And what was a pretty anticlimactic rematch? Uh, the Jokic brothers turned up. Jimmy Butler told everyone to turn up, and Jimmy Butler didn't even turn up. So, uh, I mean, who says, hey, we're going we're gonna to show you a thing or two when you come to our house, and then you don't even show up, and then you go out and get absolutely punked by the other team. So, uh, no, look, uh, I mean, Jokic just showed last night, obviously, how important an MVP is to any team. They had lost six in a row, and they actually won this game very easily in the end. This, was, uh, this basically was a blowout in that first half. Uh, Jokic, the 24, the 15, the 7 assists. Their offense just looked so much better. And it was like a release valve, I think, for Michael Malone there, where he's like, thank God I've got him back because now we can start to look a little bit more like the team we hope to be. We'll talk a little bit more about Michael Porter Jr. later on because this is, uh, you know, they're still in a bit of trouble here as far as personnel. But when you have Jokic out there playing the way that he did, making some of those crazy passes again, uh, the Nuggets just look a much better team, much more enjoyable to watch. So... I'll take Jokic, although I was impressed with uh, Vucci Baby with the 6-for-6. Six six. All right, let's go to the Bulls fan. Trey, who do you got? Yeah, I saw a post game that they were calling him Nikola Valanciunas. Vucci was shooting the ball <laughs> so well last night. 6-for-6 six six from 3, 30 points, 14 boards, 5 assists. The Hornets are pretty thin in the front court regardless. They didn't have Plumley last night. Nick Richards was running out there. So this seemed like the game that Vucci really needed to make some sort of uh, impression. And it was great to see he did because he's really struggled to start the season. Hornets made a nice run in this one. In the fourth quarter, cut it to single digits. Vucci checks back in, gets a layup, blocks a shot, hits a three, grabs a few rebounds. He was really a steadying influence for them last night. These Bulls-Hornets games, always fun for some reason. The Bulls team last night looked like what everybody assumed they would be in the preseason. Absolutely zero defense. But 30 from Vooch, 28 from DeRozan, 25 from Levine, 35 assists. I love it. Sometimes you just have to say, we're not playing defense tonight. It's ball versus ball, 100% offense. We're having fun. And that's exactly what this was. It's, uh, you know, Vooch's 
really had a tough time figuring out where he fits with this team. But last night, he was hitting the threes, he was hitting from mid-range, and he was finishing inside. Like, that's been the biggest concern for me. The guy's seven feet tall and hasn't been able to make a layup. He was hitting them last night, not to mention stepping out. So, a great win for the Bulls, but definitely Jokic returning from injury to beat the Heat. That's for sure the most important uh, Nikola moment last night. Nuggets have been struggling, but they got their MVP back. Suddenly, they're not struggling. And I also do like how... Basically, everybody tried to downplay uh, the brothers thing. Michael Malone said, they're just here to come to Miami. I know they came down (laughs) here every time before COVID. They're just having fun. Obviously, Jokic didn't want to talk about it either. He's like, that's in the past, whatever. So it's in the past. Maybe if they meet up in the finals, something will go down again. And also, like, Morris was not playing in this game. He's actually still out with the uh, mm-hmm. the neck injury, the stinger in his neck there from the push, Tass. Uh, so maybe it's a little different if he's if he's in there because he does not shy away from any confrontation, I, I think it's fair to say. But who do you got for the question there who has, uh, you know, had the better game between Joker and Vooch? Well, I was uh, very pumped for this game when I saw the uh, the Jokic brothers were sitting directly behind the Nuggets bench. Great seats. Uh, this it was a, a family affair. Looking forward to that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, just like our cold open. <laughs> yeah. family, 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 family. family. Um, yeah. And then, and then I was listening to the Miami Heat broadcast, and as always, Eric Reed, play-by-play man, always starts the broadcast off with. Uh, as soon as the ball is tipped, and here we go on another Miami Heat NBA adventure. Um, <laughs> you do a good read. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, I can't believe he still does that, but he's still doing it. Yep. And then uh, all downhill from there. All downhill. Uh, it was just not an entertaining game. Jimmy not in the lineup, as you guys said. And uh, I guess from the Nuggets' perspective, getting Jokic back and all that, uh, the Bones Highland game was good. He got the uh, post-game interview Bones Highland of the the Denver Knights, the shooting guard, just let, letting it fly, hit five threes, and the Bones are their dollars. So they need guys like that uh, to to chip in while they don't have Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. So I, I don't know. That's that's where the Jokic MVP narrative can start. If he can pull this team together, they're five hundred now. If he can get them up there, because you know there's there's a drop off after the 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 Warriors and the Suns. The Jazz haven't been playing great, and obviously the Lakers haven't been playing great. The Clippers, there's lots of worry there, as we're talking about now. So the Nuggets, they could do this. They could do this if Jokic uh, can carry a whole freaking team without uh, number two and number three. Yeah, for sure. All right, our final one. I'm just going to ask it right away here, TK, just to set you up, man. Tastier beef, Sabonis or wood? What you got, Trey? Well, what kind of butcher would I be if I didn't let you peat my meat? JD, we've got some hungry customers here, so please roll that beautiful beef footage. Christian Wood had 21 rebounds. But wait, there's more. DeMontis Sabonis had 25 rebounds. Double That's a lot of roast beef, which is rebounds. Yeah, baby. 
first big beef of the season for both Christian Wood and DeMontis Sabonis. That's the first 20-plus rebound game of Christian Wood's career. Sabonis had three beefs last year, five in his career, but that was a career-high 25 boards for him. He added 16 points and 10 assists. That's a nice line if you're a fantasy basketball player. From a rebound perspective, Sir Bonus, much, much <laughs> tastier. A lot of the Christian Wood rebounds are... You are the tallest guy in the court, and the other nine guys are running back to get back on defense. But Woods came in a win. It's a little bit more of a milestone. So it just kind of comes down to what are you looking for in a cut of meat? Oh, <laughs> I thought you were also uh, going to bring up the uh, the one particular small piece of beef that uh, Kevin Porter Jr. got that the Rockets basically gave to him to get to the triple-double. Ah, uh, yes, indeed. Big knife for rebounds there in Houston. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Tass. Uh, that was awesome, what? though. We're getting on a deep part of the track there. We're, because we got a double <laughs> yeah. piece, we were going <laughs> yeah. deep on the track. <laughs> so what do you think, Tass? Is it Sir Bonus, as Lee calls him, or uh, Mr. Wood there? <laughs> uh, well, I guess the, the Rockets thing is cool they're winning games now uh, especially because christian wood is their lone big they've gone away from the two big lineups and they're just playing christian wood and so he's got space out there to roam uh, they're uh they're figuring things i'm a steven silas fan i don't like how uh he's been pegged as a guy on the hot seat as a houston rockets head coach that's a pile of hooey so i'm glad they're winning games lee Finish it off here. Taste your beef, in your opinion. You watched the highlights. Who are you going with? Yeah, well, the, the Kevin Porter rebound wasn't really a rebound, though. It was tipped to him. So whoever yeah. touches it first is the rebounder. So uh, The poker or the grabber. Exactly, exactly. So I don't want to be that guy, but I'm going to be that guy. Take that rebound mm. off of me. doesn't deserve it. But uh, 25 for uh, royalty there in uh, Minnesota last <laughs> night, the Sir. Uh, sir bonus? Yeah. Yeah, he finished with a triple double too, I believe. So, uh, yep. If that helps, if that if that helps the beef, sure, why not? Okay. Imagine Kevin Porter House gets a beef one day, though. (laughs) That would be amazing. Wow, that's good. Uh, Well, from one Porter to another, let's uh, let's talk about this in a little more detail because it happened right at the end of yesterday's show. Michael Porter Jr. is expected to miss the rest of the season due to back surgery. Second time a back injury has seriously impacted his uh, career here. He missed the entire 18-19 season while recovering from back surgery after being selected 14th in the draft. Porter last played uh, this year, November 6th, against the Rockets. Uh, I think we even showed that clip, right? Remember he had the, the breakaway dunk uh possibility like came up way short and then he was grabbing at his back there so tass i mean this sucks but how concerning is this um for michael burr jr and the nuggets here what do you think yeah you know i i I go back and forth i I was extremely worried at first and then i'm at like a seven out of ten on the worry scale because uh the worrisome part is they pursued a non-surgical alternative they looked at it and, and tried to find another way but uh, they had to go this this route, and I guess the positive is when they gave him this contract, they obviously looked into his medicals and, and were comfortable at the beginning of this season saying, we don't even have to have an injury clause in there. Uh, and then this happens. When you look back at the, the surgery he had when he was in college, he was playing with Missouri, he got injured the first game that he played, and then he did return later that season. Uh, and then had to miss the, the first season with the Nuggets. So, so I guess if you're looking at a positive, when he had that surgery with Missouri and went out in the first game, he came back and played in the SEC tournament. So it was like no, almost 
similar timelines here. November 22nd, Wikipedia, thank you, was when he had that surgery, and then he came back on March 8th. So I guess if you're positive, uh, he could be back. If, I guess if you're positive, the Nuggets did their research, and you'd think that uh, they would know that his back was sound and that he could be back this year. Uh, but I guess it's it's impossible to really know until he comes back how he's going to look. Uh, I guess with with the reports, though, the fact that there is a scenario that he comes back this year and every report says that that it's not like a year or two years, that there is a, a likeliness that there's he'll be at least, you know, working out in, in March, April and seeing if he could come back. I guess you got to stay positive uh, at this point. Yeah, Lee, what do you think? Oh, well, yeah, but horrible news, obviously, for a young guy to have so many back problems early on. He's a huge part of what the Nuggets need in terms of the offense. Needs to work on his defense, but uh, they're going to miss him. And, uh, yeah, you just hope that he can recover and get out there and play because he's a, he's a very, very good offensive player, very good scorer and shooter. But uh, back injuries, ugh, they're, just, they're just gross to hear about because uh, th- this is something that has already affected his uh, early career. Uh, and if he can't, you know, really get on top of it, then uh, he may have a shortened, uh, you know, outlook here in the NBA. So just hope he can get back. Yeah, and this sort of got lost in the uh, shortened Thanksgiving week there last week, Trey. But the Nuggets are running really low on healthy perimeter players because not only are they without Jamal Murray, now Michael Porter Jr., P.J. Dozier also mm. sidelined with a long-term injury. He suffered an ACL tear last week, and he was one of the replacements for Michael Porter Jr. He was playing like 20 minutes a game, and he's not a bad player, but... He's out. So this is a you know, really, really tough blow here for the Nuggets. And whether Jokic can keep him in like a, a playoff position, or fourth, fifth, sixth seed, something like that would be amazing. But yeah, anything to add to MPJ here? Unfortunately, having to go under knife, under knife, underneath the knife again. Excuse me. Well, Tass said that the Bones are the Nuggets' money. And honestly, it's kind of true right now. They're 4-0 when he Bones Highland scores 10 or more points. And they're going to need him to produce from the perimeter. They just need somebody else who can handle the ball, especially with... Porter going to be out for the season, but I mean, the Nuggets have got to be super worried about this. Obviously, uh, losing Porter this season is a huge blow to their chances in the first place with Murray being out, but his humongous contract doesn't even kick in until next year. So you're looking at a guy who has missed his rookie season, missed the majority of his one college season, and has had two back surgeries before you're going to be paying him $30 million. That is nerve wracking, no doubt about it. Hopefully he recovers and hopefully he's able to put something together and at least get back on the court working out, getting ready to get ready for next season. Yeah, and I saw a tweet from Nuggets Nation that I just wanted to reiterate here. Uh, you know, a lot of people yesterday making the joke, especially on Twitter lately, like, oh, Porter Jr., he got his money, then he dipped. Hmm. You know, like, it's not really all that funny. And <laughs> the guy is having unplanned surgery. This is not calling in sick because you have a sore throat, as Nuggets Nation wrote. You know, this is the, he's going under the knife what to miss work like he's like oh i got paid let's go get back surgery like come on uh this is just really really unfortunate and hopefully he's young enough and uh can get back out there again and and played like he did at the end of last season and into the playoffs a little bit uh in go go ahead oh no just yeah i mean like that's the stupidity of twitter though i mean as if a guy's just gonna say yeah sweet i've got paid now you can do some surgery on my back. I mean, of, yeah, all the in- like- of all the injuries, I think back would be at the top of the ones you don't want to have. I think you'd take an ACL injury over a, a back injury because it can be just so debilitating for everything mm-hmm. you do. So, yeah. uh, but, you know, it's Twitter. You know I mean? uh, in other um, NBA news, this is a little surprising. Knicks coach Tom Thibodeau told reporters on Monday that Kemba Walker 
is no longer a part of the team's rotation, quote, as of right now, end quote. Alec Burks, Alec Burks, who started Saturday against Atlanta in the second of a back-to-back situation there, he will remain the starter. Uh, More from Tibbs here, he said, quote, it's a tough decision to make, but you always have to do what you think is best for the team. So again, this is not Tibbs, Trey, saying, Kemba's out of the starting lineup. He'll be coming off the bench. He was saying he is out of the rotation. I don't know whether that means he's going to dress or not. I'm I'm not sure uh, Kemba is. But were you shocked by Tibbs saying, especially that part, not that you're just out of the starting lineup because we've been struggling, but you're not even in the rotation? Oh, 100%, Skeets. I'm totally shocked by this one. Tom Thibodeau started Keith Bogan's 82 games a year, would only play him like the first six minutes of the half before pulling him. Tibbs is very much a, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of coach. But Nick's starting lineup has been broke. It just kind of felt like they wouldn't make a change because the two players you would think would be making a move, whether it be Kemba Walker or Evan Fournier, both were their big off-season acquisitions. And it kind of seems like maybe the reason Kemba is going to the bench is because his contract is a little bit smaller than Fournier's. Weird stuff. But I mean, when you look at the disparity between the Knicks starting lineup and the Knicks bench, you can see that a change needs to be made. The Knicks are getting lit up defensively when the starters are out there. And it's basically because they have no resistance at the point of attack. So maybe bringing Alec Burks in, a little bit uh, bigger defender, a little bit switchier, perhaps that helps because the offense that Kemba Walker would theoretically bring, he hasn't really brought it this year. He's been turning the ball over quite a bit. He's been cutting into Julius Randle's handles time. So yeah, to me... Shocking that Tibbs actually made the change. A change was needed, but Tibbs, it seems like, would want to not rock the boat, and he usually defers to the veteran players. You see when he's uh, talking about Kemba, he's like, this guy is a great person. I want to say that first and foremost. That's how you know a player is really struggling. It's not surprising (laughs) that he would want to go for more defense, but, I mean, 22 games into Kemba Walker's career... They're saying, you're not playing for our team anymore? That's wild to me. Going for him, worth the gamble, but not looking like it's paying off at this point. Yeah, Tass, what do you think of this this report? Not really a report. Tibbs telling us this is the way it's going to be. What do you think? People can change. Yes, I've, I've surprising. <laughs> yeah, not like the Keith Bogan example is a good one. Last year, they stuck with Alfred Payton mm-hmm. uh, in that lineup at the starting lineup over and over and over and over and over until the playoffs when they needed desperate to have some offense out there so they inserted Derrick Rose Tibbs loves his vets uh, but a quarter way through the season he saw what Alec Burks was able to do on the weekend in Atlanta it was uh, a really good uh, win probably the Knicks best win uh, destroying the Hawks with a uh, yeah, six six point guard out there in Alec Burks who uh, you know, I've, I've always liked this is year 11 for him he's been around for a long time he had eight years with Utah and then he kind of bounced around a little bit. He got traded to the Cavs and, and couldn't find his way. So it, it's good for him. It's good for the Knicks that if Alec Burks, you know, is able to jump into the starting lineup, uh, that, you know, one of those big contracts that they handed out in the offseason is going to work out because the Evan Fournier one, not looking too great. The Nerlens Noel one, meh, it's a little much for a backup big. Uh, but uh, they are looking for, yeah, a guy who can switch and play defense because uh, it um, – yeah, Kemba just hasn't been doing enough on either end 
to keep him out there on the floor. They thought coming into the season, all right, you know, our backcourt's going to be entirely different with Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier over uh, Peyton and Reggie Bullock, but our offense should be better. Well, that ain't happening with Kemba Walker right. out there. Their defense has gotten a heck of a lot worse, uh, as our man Fred Katz uh, has outlined on The Athletic. Their, you know, their defense with Kemba Walker on the floor would be the worst defense in the NBA. But without him, it would be the best defense uh, in the NBA. So good for Tibbs, I guess, willing to try something. It, it is strange that Kemba's gone from the rotation. And, yeah, and now that's like the Quigley part. And Rose are the backup guards. Yeah, and he he even said like I, I don't you know I won't be playing three smaller guards together. Be, you know he was basically like addressing that before the question could be asked. Like, well, why wouldn't you just take Kemba out of the starting lineup and maybe plug him in as a sixth, seventh man, stuff like that, like a little instant offense? And he's like, well, I don't I don't want to be playing him with quickly and Derrick Rose out there. And he's saying those guys are deserving of minutes, and I think they are, Lee. Um, so it, it is wild that he's going from starting to like completely out of the rotation. I yeah. Say, I mean, I think with Tibbs, it's not like, well, you'll never get another opportunity. But I think for right now, because we've seen the Knicks are a better team on the road and their reserves have had a better sort of uh, plus-minus than their starters. So Tibbs had to do something. And Kemba kind of was in the firing line because defensively he is just too small and he can get exploited and I think as Tass says there with our friend Fast Freddy Katz's uh, article on the Knicks that game in Atlanta where Kemba didn't play almost like cost him because it was like well Burks is bigger taller a little bit more athletic he can defend better they can switch better with him and you just can't be exploited as much when Kemba's out on the floor so you know that's Tibbs kind of has to say all right well unfortunately you're the one who's getting getting us roasted out there so I'm gonna have to put you on the bench for now but he'll get another chance at some point it's just uh might he might be on the sidelines here for a few games or even a few weeks yeah and who knows what his you know, his knees have to do with all of this. And, you know, he's obviously suffered from injury over the last little bit. I don't know. And and maybe the whole thing, like, it would be weird. It would be out of character, I feel like, for Kemba for if Tibbs had gone to him and said, we're going to take you out of the starting lineup, but we'll have you coming off the bench for X amount of minutes game. And, and for Kemba to say no to that, like, you know, like almost like a John Wall situation in Houston, like I'm either starting or I'm not. I just don't see that being the case. But maybe we don't know the whole story with this. But Tibbs is telling us he's out for now. Those were his exact words. And we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Lee's got two tweets of the night, as he teased earlier. We've got pick em results, so I'm none too happy about them. And we'll uh, set you up for tonight's Warriors-Suns game. So don't go anywhere. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Okay, let's get to Tweet of the Night. Uh, just go. It's not working for me. <laughs> 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 All right, here it is. Here Interesting. It is. 
<laughs> Seems to be back. Here it is. Tweet of the night. Mm, tweet of the night. Wow. Twitter. You just listening to other music while we're doing this show over there, JD? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. Oh. Uh, t- Tass set off my Alexa, so it was playing yesterday's No Dunks. So it was very confusing. Oh, goodness. Wow. All right. Well, Lee, what do you got for Yeah, well, uh, I've just got a uh, tweet to start with, and it came from uh, Dane Moore, who uh, covers the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves there for Blue Wire Pods after mm. the game last night. Anthony Edwards' flip phone just rang during his post-game press conference. He answered it. Asked if he has a flip phone, he said, yeah, that's my baby. I mean, Anthony Edwards with a flip phone. Would he have even been born when the last flip phones went out of rotation? <laughs> no, out of circulation? Don't I don't think so. I just thought that was hilarious. And then he owned it. So good on him for that. Um, now, I teased you because I said I had a second tweet because this is actually also from Dane Moore. And it's from earlier in the season because I had this in the uh, chamber but I didn't actually get to use it. It got bumped one night, and here it is. Patrick Beverly's routine after the national anthem included screaming, fake gunshots, and smacking Glenn Taylor on the butt hard. And he prayed. <laughs> You've just been sitting on that one? Yeah, I was. It was, it was in the train because I, I thought it was funny, and then I can't remember why I got bumped, and then I saw Dane had another good tweet, and I thought, all right, here's a time to shoehorn it in. So, uh... Great stuff. I can just imagine. You can just see Patrick Beverly, can't you? Like, all energy. Oh, yeah. Wax the owner on the bum. And then he just like... <laughs> <laughs> I thought your second tweet was going to be like a follow-up to more Anthony Edwards gold from his press conferences. But, yeah, you really... You swerve <laughs> I just, I mean... Like, I, I just can't imagine a young person these days with a flip phone. I just Well, they ha- they're they sort of coming back in style. Uh, I'm back. assuming it's a new expensive one. Yeah, yeah I, I, I guess I, I guess in that sense they are. But it just seems when you say flip phone, you think of like, you know, 2003 or something when someone's got those. Did you used to leave your flip phone at home when you would go out for walks? Uh, yeah. No, I don't think I ever actually had a flip phone. I was a big uh, Nokia man, but uh, not the uh, not the flippy. Okay. Yeah. Tess, did you have a flip phone or? No. No. I never did. No. I mean, the razors were cool. Those uh, those hot pink razors were super nice, but why would you have a flip phone? You know. Got to open it Trade and close it. it, of course. Yeah, of course I <laughs> yeah. did. Smaller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a, I think I had a Qualcomm, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, <laughs> nothing will hold a candle to the Sidekick, though. Still the greatest phone that's ever been invented. Almost like a flip phone. Right. And then you flip it back down. Still the coolest. Those are going to come back eventually. Just wait. Yeah, for sure. All right. Good stuff there from uh, Lily with two tweets of the night. One from the past and one from last <laughs> night. Pick of results. Oh, man. Thunder Rockets game. Houston was favored by two and a half. This is brought to you by BetMGM, of course. Uh, I say, oh, man, because uh, I needed it. I needed a victory. I needed a cover, at least, from OKC. Tass went with the Thunder as well, and they got they got crushed. <laughs> they were missing a lot of guys, uh, a lot of their big guys at least, and they just couldn't score at all. And I'm not really sure it was the Rockets' defense. It was more just the Thunder could not put the uh, ball through the hoop. But Houston wins their third straight. Trey gets the victory, and he wraps up not finishing last in the month of November. That will go to me once again. Uh, so I now owe. I'm back to owing three pick on payoffs. <laughs> I owed three pick on payoffs. I waxed my nose hairs, got down to two, but now I'm back to three. So uh, 
A lot of these, we have things in mind, but they'll play much funnier if we're in person together, and hopefully we're getting closer and closer to that. So there, there's a couple chambered here that we're gonna be doing. Don't worry, I'll pay them off. I'm like a Lannister. I always pay off my pickums. Uh, <laughs> but sucks that I'm at three. Anyway, Lee, you also picked up the victory. So we don't need to pick tonight because November's over. Let's just enjoy this game tonight, Tass. This Warriors Suns game. Now it's a 10 o'clock start. You gonna be taking a power nap today? So you can be watching this one live. You're gonna watch the first half, watch the second half in the morning. What's your plan here heading into tonight, Tess? Mm, I, I always play it by fee. I live in the moment, so okay. I don't know. Not gonna nap. That's definitely not 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 I. <laughs> don't do that. Not but a nap. Uh, yeah, can't can't mess with the night's sleep. But um, we'll see. We'll see what I do. I am just looking forward to this game. And maybe, as you said, yeah, the pick and payoffs way better in person. Should we mm -hmm. pull off uh, a Patrick Beverly? Just a real. Hard smack to the butt. <laughs> smack me on the ass? That's a pretty Free funny smack. I mean, honestly, I'm fine with it. I just want to get them done with. <laughs> Lee, Lee, you got big old farmer hands. No, you know, yeah, I'm just trying to mark. think. Who, who's got the most energetic slap out there? Uh, Between you three? Uh, no, nah, well, yeah, it doesn't have to be one of us. Just, slap? just someone out there. Well, who, you you know, saw like, me throw ice cubes at an mm, ice chest. I mean, mm. I... I'll whip it. I'll wing mm. it, man. But you know who? I'll slap myself in the ass. I, I want Rick Campbell to slap you on that butt. I bet he'd have a nice old slap, wouldn't he? <laughs> Skeets, my man. Whack! <laughs> you want my pick and pay off to be Rick Campbell slapping my ass? Absolutely. <laughs> We've done dumber ones. Yeah, Ricky, how you doing? Lee, my man, what's up? Uh, good, Ricky. Listen, I've got a little uh, favor to ask. <laughs> Just wondering if you wouldn't mind giving old Skeetsy a big old slap on the butt. <laughs> <laughs> you got it, my man. You got it. He wouldn't ask why. Like, he'd just say, yep, let's do it. All right. <laughs> yeah, people are saying Shaq would be a, a rough one uh, to take. <laughs> just knock me over. Uh, okay, anyway, if you have other ideas, let us know in the stream team. Let us know in the YouTube comments. I do have a, a couple of these to pay off. JD, I do really want to do uh, the, the shock collar. We're doing the shock collar. All right. You said you did some research on it. Uh, I lied. I, I was totally lied about the research. Oh. That was just for <laughs> I, I don't think anything that severe is going to happen. Uh, it'll be yeah, a little dog shot collar, and JD can operate it while I'm trying to do a show with you guys. That see, that's one that would be way funnier in person. We got to give it to a child, like somebody with <laughs> no, reckless abandon. Rick Campbell. No, we really don't. We don't have to do that, uh, in fact. But okay, yeah, maybe we'll get we'll get Jackson or Lincoln to <laughs> man no, the dog. You don't want Lincoln. Shot collar. You do not want Lincoln. Oh my but god. But he just do it 24/7. Yep. He would just hold his. Oh, you're creating psychos over there. What are you doing? I don't know. They're born that uh, way. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So a bunch of payoffs to uh, to come in uh, the coming months. Don't worry. I'll lose another month when we get into December here. Uh, just predictions for tonight, though. Guys, let's get them on record. Warrior Suns, 18-2 Golden State versus the 17-3 Phoenix Suns. Phoenix has won 16 straight. Let's not forget about that. Um, who you got, Lee? Warriors. Okay. Tass? Quadruple overtime, Warriors. TK? I hate to say it after these guys, but it's going to be Warriors. 
oh, I think you guys are wrong, <laughs> which means <laughs> uh, I'm taking the Phoenix Suns. Uh, I don't even know what the line is on this. Tass, did you happen to see it? Didn't Suns mm-hmm. are probably... Uh, I mean, they've won 16 straight. Yeah, I know. They're they just home, went into New York. Did yeah. you, like, there's reports of them saying, like, we own New York, yeah, they're yeah, saying, yeah. after beating the Knicks and the yeah. Nets and all that. They're feeling good. Give me Phoenix. Yeah. I think Phoenix is going to win tonight. Looks like uh, and- two and a half points. Uh, the Suns are favored by two and a half on BetMGM okay. right now. Okay. It's interesting because they play tonight and then they play, what, on Friday? Uh in the Bay. Is it Friday? Thursday, is it? Thursday or Friday in the Bay? Uh, yeah, yeah, later in the Thursday, week. Thursday, but yeah. Oh, okay. Is it? All right. Well, there's only uh, five games on in total, so hopefully we get some really close ones to really break down in detail on tomorrow's show. Got Knicks, Nets, Grizzlies, Raptors. Tass, you know what that is? Uh, the, uh, what's it called? Naismith Cup. Naismith <laughs> Cup. Oh, man, the American got it. Oh, Tassie. You forgot about the Naismith Cup? Uh, <laughs> And then Warriors, Suns, Pistons, Blazers, and Lakers, Kings. Actually, a lot of late games on tonight. But we'll be back tomorrow to break them all down. Email us your questions. Probably get to beach step in either tomorrow or Thursday. So send in your NBA or your non-NBA questions to nodunksattheathletic.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at nodunksinc. Or you can always drop your questions in the comments below the YouTube vid. And finally, go grab yourself an athletic subscription. Go to theathletic.com slash nodunks. All right, boys. Fun show. We will see you guys soon. Till then, Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, listen to No Dunks. It slaps. (laughs) (laughs) Brace the day, people. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.